Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. For this week, I'm joined by Dajia Milan, who is the costume designer for what is right now the number one movie in America, Insidious, The Red Door, the latest installment in the wildly successful horror franchise of Insidious. Just a few of Daggio's past credits include Wu-Tang and American Saga, Pose, and Flatbush Misdemeanors. Daggio, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Really excited to talk with you today. Yeah. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is your first Insidious film. You hadn't worked on any of the past installments of the franchise. So um, if you could just talk about um, the beginnings of your involvement in Insidious, The Red Door, how you were brought on to the film. So my agent came to me with, you know, the general list of what's happening out there. And I've seen Insidious and I'm like, oh, my God, you have to get me a meeting. I have always been a huge Insidious fan. So when I got the meeting, I was just, we had a long conversation, maybe like two hours with Patrick and um, uh, the producer, Ryan Turk. And it went so well. And then from there, I was brought on and it was just go time. Um, Could you, I know that you were a massive Insidious fan coming into um, this world and stepping into the project. Could you talk about your process studying the world of Insidious in the past films, given the fact that um, this was your first time entering into um, the world of Insidious? Or did you feel like you already had a lot of that knowledge anyway by you know being a fan of the franchise? So I already had a lot of the knowledge, um, which is one of the things that I think Patrick really loved that I already knew the story and the characters. And so for me, once I got the job, I kind of rewatched the entire franchise front to back a million times over just to really dive in to see what these characters are uh, visually for me so that I can get into a new headspace. And so um, I really just studied the characters and just pictured what would they be like 10 years from this point. And because Insidious 5 only takes place at, from one and two, those are the two that I really like dived into more than three and four. Um, and that's really just, you know, my thought process before even getting into the specifics of, okay, this is what they wore one and two. What mindsets would they be in 10 years from now? And so for me, I just, I started pulling all types of images and coming up with all types of concepts and narrowing it down to who these people are. And then you'll see that in the film of, you know, visually what their clothes says about them that we don't know of. Right. Um, And as you mentioned, we haven't seen the original cast in 10 years since Insidious Mm -hmm. 2, even though we've had, you know, other Insidious movies since then. So having the original cast back together for the first time in 10 years is long anticipated. Um, can you discuss how you went about um, creating, recreating those same looks while also ensuring that they were looks that lived in 2023 as opposed to 2013? So these looks are actually, so this installment is really a different world. And because it's a different world, I had a space to go a part of what we've already seen. 
Um, with Josh's character, you know, we learn that he is now divorced. His family is like completely detached from him. And so he is this man that is. I, I came up with the concept that he probably was trying to fix himself up, do di little different things to maybe want to get his family back or try new things to, you know, maybe try dating other people. We don't know. So those are the little things that I would think about when creating these characters. And for Dalton, you know, we saw him when he was nine years old. He's now in college. And so for me, I had a lot of space to go and just do whatever I wanted. That also made sense to the character that we're now seeing. And for Dalton, he really is this artist in that we saw that in one and two when he was drawing the sketches of what he was doing in the further. And so that's a, a great idea that I like that Patrick had is bringing that to the forefront of this is who he became to be. And so from there, I'm like, okay, this is what he was. Here we are now in 2023. He is now this artsy kid, but he's he's missed part of his life because he doesn't remember anything. Because in two, we see that, you know, their memories get kind of like wiped out and he loses all sense of what happened to him. And so he has this sense of darkness in him that he doesn't know where it came from. So I wanted to also bring that out with him being this artist. So I made him this dark artist kind of kid, but also a little similar to little things related to his father. Um, so it was really just little things like that that I would pick up from rewatching one and two over and over and redeveloping who they are now. Yeah, you definitely sense the biggest trend progression in terms of the mm -hmm. look as it relates to Ty's character, um, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, well, while we do have the original cast back, we also have the introduction of a couple new characters that we've never seen before in the world of Insidious, um, namely Sinclair Daniels' Chris, and then also Hayam Abbas's um, character of Professor Armagon. Can you mm -hmm. share your creative inspiration behind their looks since they were so new to Insidious? So because I made Dalton this dark artist kid, when I read the script, I already knew in my mind what I wanted to do with um, Sinclair's character, Chris. They are these two opposites, end of the spectrum characters that end up having this bond that, you know, you wouldn't initially pair them two together if you saw them on a college campus. They would be in totally different, you know, groups. And so while he was dark, she needed to be this bright personality and spark and this opposite. And I got to play with so many colors and prints and textures and patterns with her because Dalton was so dark. And I wanted to uh, differentiate them to so far apart that it's like, what the hell are we watching <laughs> right now? Who, who, who is she? What's going on? And giving her this big personality because Sinclair gives such a great performance and these little tidbits of comedy between them two. Um, it gave them really great chemistry and, you know, it really brought the costumes alive in a sense. So she really, she, we had tons of 
fitting photos that for her character was actually really hard for me to choose mm. which ones were going to be seen because she only had just a few looks. Um, so those that was probably one of my biggest challenges was her character. There was just too much, too many options that we had because right. so new and so fun. I was able to just play dress up in a sense with her. Um, and for... Who was the other one? The, per- the professor. Yes, the professor. She, so what I liked about her is Dalton really loved her. And because Dalton really loves her, I wanted to make her very dark in a sense where she's this mix of dark prints and colors that have these depths and layers to her. She's like over accessorized as this artist and kind of make her a little bit mysterious, like what is she really about? Um, so I got to really and you know really play around with him with her clothes, and we had such a great fitting. Um, she's such a great sport, and us trying these different type of techniques with like her shoes and the pants, and like these uh, layering sweaters and putting prints and stuff all over her, which she was wasn't sure about until she got into it. She's like, okay. I we would get on set. She's like, okay, can we change this? I actually really, really love this one now. Um, and it just really made the character feel like what it needed to be. And so, you know, these are two new people that we want to have. We want the audience to really engage with with who they are, and not them just being thrown into the franchise. Because sometimes that happens quite a lot. That you will do so many of these franchises that you know fans lose interest in you know, these new people, they want to see the original people that they fell in love with. And so um, I I hope that we achieve that with bringing these new characters to life and making sure that the audience feel really engaged and interested in seeing who they are. And hopefully maybe this turns into a spinoff of these new characters in some sense in this franchise. Yeah. Since we know the end for the Lamberts. Right. They are so new, but through your looks, they're seamlessly, you know, melted into this world of insidious in which it just seems like they've been lived in for mm-hmm. years. So, um, no, yeah, it's such a great job with those characters um, in particular. Um, I want to transition to, I believe, one of your favorite looks of the film, which is creating the evil ghouls that live in the further um, can you talk about how you elevated the horror and the scares through um, the ghoul's wardrobe? Yeah, so this is my first horror. So that was a challenge with this itself is, you know, trying to do something fresh and new that we haven't seen yet. It was something that I talked a lot about with Patrick. And since we are creating this new world in this franchise, what does that look like in the further, which is really important because that's what we're here to see. And, you know, we joked a lot about always seeing um, the Victorian ghouls. And so this one, we wanted to do something new where there's different types of ghouls from different time periods and mix that in and infuse that. So the audience of not only my generation that grew up on the original city is, but, you know, the Gen Z kids are, has to get pulled in here. So we wanted to tie into some new things. And so my process for that, I watched, I can't even tell you how many different types of horror films. And I just sat in the dark for like days 
probably drove myself insane, but really trying to find get different ideas of what different ghouls could look like, what's going to be scary, what's going to be, you know, not so drastic that it feels infused within the film itself. And so I got um, one of my worst costumes we did was the sick kid. It was absolutely disgusting. I could not even sit on set to watch it because it was just so nasty of all the vomiting just coming out of him and pouring into Dalton that it grossed me out. And I knew what was in the mixture to make it to put on the costume and um, just seeing the different layers of textures of different foods and things just gooing all over the place. Um, was really, really fun. And thank you to my supervisor who made that happen because I could not do it on set the day. And so, um, yeah, so just the goals is just, we just wanted something refreshing than the same Victorian ghostly figures that we always see. We did have a couple more, or well, a lot more that didn't, you know, make it to the edits, but I got to play in so many types of ways of creating ghouls that I now feel comfortable if I got another horror film doing anything now because I've done so many different time periods of these ghouls. And, you know, I, I was really excited to do that. You mentioned that since this was your first horror film, you looked back to a lot of horror films in the past for mm -hmm. the ghouls looks. Is there a couple in particular that you got your creative cues from? Um, I looked at... You know, of course, the originals of like Halloween's and the Freddy's and like the Screams, you know, these like particular, you know, strong, iconic, you know, horror characters that we always reference all the time. But I also kind of looked at things like 13 Ghosts and because that was something that had different types of horror uh, ghosts in there. Um and there are a couple other ones that are just like random that I would just watch from like Hulu or Prime that would just suggest things. Right. And just like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then I'll do a lot of the digging on Pinterest of seeing these creative things that are just weirdly made. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. So just lots of different things kind of inspired me. And just I think just sitting in the dark for days at a time and kind of just getting into a dark mental space to create that. Um, really helped that process in creating these goals since this was my first time doing this. Um, I want to switch gears and talk about your working relationship with Patrick Wilson, who not only stars in the film, but this yeah. is a project that he directed and it's actually his first time directing a feature, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, pretty big for him. Um, can you, I, I would sense that there would be hesitancy on both sides of this relationship. Obviously, you hadn't worked on a horror film before. And on the flip side, you would be working with someone who hadn't directed before. So can <laughs> you you can you talk about what those initial conversations were like between the two of you that gave each of you the confidence to collaborate with each other? I think because I was such a fan, I knew the story. Patrick trusted me and creating this project for him because it is his first project to direct. And like I you know, mentioned earlier that conversation when I was interviewing for the job lasted for two hours and we were just bouncing ideas that I randomly had. And he was like, oh, I didn't think about that for that part in the script. And it's like, oh, well, let's. So it was always kind of this back and forth of us like bouncing ideas in the beginning that kind of helped me understand what he wanted, what I wanted to do, um, both as 
him for an actor and as the director, because I still ultimately had to talk to him about his character, Josh, and what does that look like for him as an actor, but also as a director, what do you envision? And because ultimately it is his, you know, his baby and the director's vision that we bring to life for them. And so the relationship kind of was just instant for both of us when I interviewed. And so that transpired into when I got on the job and we would just always go back and forth. I would just pop into the office. Hey, Patrick, what do we think about this? Um, Because that's kind of how we came up with the MRI scene. When that got thrown, thrown into the mix, I kind of just did my same little thing, a little knock on the door. Hey, Patrick, what do you think about this idea for the MRI scene? And that kind of we just came in there with a um, nightgown. <laughs> We're like, what do you think? We just put nasty throw up on there again and scared the hell out of people because who likes to be in the hospital anyways? We already have bad connotations on the hospital and you know what goes right. on. So let's just make terrorize people even more. And we did that because now people are all over social media complaining about they never want to get MRI scans. <laughs> and so it's it was things like that that kind of really built the relationship between us and, you know, him trusting my vision a lot of times. Um, I might come in there too strong where it's like crazy ideas and he'll kind of like rein me back in, which is totally fine. But that's the point of what we do is to create these big ideas to make something fun for the audience to enjoy. How was it different working with a director who's also starring in a project? I'm not sure if you had experienced that before, but did it make it more challenging or easier? What was, how was um, it different? I've actually worked on a couple of projects that were in that same dynamic. Um, when I worked on Flatbush Misdemeanors, I worked with uh, Dan Perlman who directed an episode. So, and also started it. So I already had that. Um, relationship and understanding of what goes on in making a project and working with someone who has to go from this role to this role in the same project at once. So it was a breeze for me to do. Once you, once you do it once, it's kind of the same thing. You kind of know the ropes and how to communicate things. Right. And um, for my last question, would love to know if there's anything that you're currently working on or about to work on that we have to look forward to coming out soon. Um, well, I have Dead Ringers is out that people should continue to watch Yes, that we worked on. And, you know, with the strike, we are pretty quiet on things. So we will just have to wait and see. Right. Um, well, congratulations again. I know that, as mentioned before, the film is just killing it right now at the box office. People are just so excited to see um, mm-hmm. the original cast back in over a decade um, with Insidious, The Red Door. And we'll see what's coming up next, I guess. But um, yeah, Dejia, thanks so much for taking the time to t- chat. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.